Over the past couple of weeks, JJ has been diving into how uh, Ephesians mostly speaks to our identity and how what's so cool about our, in our identity in Christ, we have an inheritance. It's, I believe it's chapter 1, verse 14 that says, and we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And that is the marking of our inheritance until we acquire it. Meaning that God has things for us. And the first thing is he has an identity for us to walk in. And so the big point that's presented in the first two messages that J.J. talked about is that Jesus' identity is our identity. Who Jesus is, is who we are meant to be. It's who we are meant to be. And so what I want you to do is you can open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 19. And thinking about identity, and looking at verse 19, there's, a different, there's another theme that is presented and what that theme is, is purpose and power. When we look at these verses for the rest of chapter 1, we're presented with the theme of purpose and power. And so before we start reading, before we start just breaking down the word and, and processing it for our lives, I want to encourage you to stand up so we can do our faith declaration about the word. It's so, so important that we, we, we position our hearts to receive from the word. We've been talking about this in youth, that, that the word is truth. The word is truth. And what truth is, is everything that's in accordance with reality. And, and what, what that means for us with the Bible is that we miss out on God's reality for us when we do not position ourselves to receive from the word. And so I just want to, let's just position our hearts today to receive from the word. And so let's roll up that slide and let's start it all together. This is the word of God. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Therefore, I declare boldly, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have been forgiven and set free. I have mountain-moving faith, and the Holy Spirit empowers me to be a witness. My heart is receptive, and my mind is alert. I am ready to receive from the incorruptible, imperishable, everlasting Word of God. Today's Word will accomplish all that it set out to do in me. I will never be the same. Lord, we just want to receive from you. Lord, we do not just want knowledge. We want our lives and our perspectives to be changed. So Holy Spirit, just reign here. Speak to us as we listen to the word today. We love you and we're ready to receive from you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, you can be seated. Okay. So like I said, Jesus' identity is our identity. The way Jesus is is the way we are meant to to be. When we look at the way that we were originally created, we were created, in, in, if we look at Genesis chapter 1, we were created in the image of God, the Imago Dei. And so we see that we were made uh, in the image of God, which is perfectly modeled in Jesus Christ. Jesus modeling the image looks like us walking in identity, first knowing who we are, knowing that we belong to God, we're his children, and then walking in purpose and power. So those first two weeks have been solely dedicated to making sure we all understand that it starts with who we are. That's where it starts. Today, I have the huge privilege of diving into this point right here, is if Jesus' identity is our identity, then his purpose and his power are our purpose and our power. It's the exact same for us. If his identity is ours, his purpose is ours, and his uh, power is ours as well. So looking at verse 19, this is what it says. And what is the immeasurable greatness 
of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in, the age, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I'm just so, I'm so encouraged by this. Because looking at these verses, we see how much they highlight how God's power is immeasurable. I think it's Corinthians that says, to, to the one who can do infinitely more than we can ever ask or imagine or think. And so God's power is immeasurable. And then we get to see how God's power is the thing that accomplished elevating Christ. It's the thing that, uh, that brought him above every rule, every power, every authority, and every name that is named when he, when he rose, and even for the one for the rest of eternity. Christ is elevated as highest. There will be no one who will ever supersede him. He's the highest. So, much is being taught right now about purpose. And when I think about our purpose in life, I'm, I'm always reminded of the saying, do what you're good at. Like, I feel like that's something that we, uh, that has been told to us a whole lot growing up, is you got to know what you like and what you don't and what you're good at. And so, what's wrong with that way of thinking is it almost develops, it almost conditions us to think that our purpose is connected to our capability, that it's connected to our gift set, that it's only the things I'm good at. So if I'm not good at evangelism, I don't need to evangelize. And if I'm not good at worshiping, like leading beautifully like our team just did, then I don't need to do that. But that's, that's not correct. Our purpose is not just connected to our capability. It's not connected just to our gift set. Our true purpose in life is connected to our identity in Christ. That's why it's been so important we've been laying the foundation of our identity. Because unless we get that correctly, we can't actually walk in our true purpose. I'm going to impact this some more, but before we can get into that, I just want to make sure we're all, of the, we're all aware of a huge risk, okay? And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of risk, like it's a great board game, but, um, <laughs> that's a bad joke, but there is a serious risk for us that if we, if we do not connect our true purpose, if we do not connect our purpose as we view it to our identity in Christ, there's a huge risk we run for our lives, and here's, here's the danger, is when we don't connect our purpose to our Christ identity, we run the risk of living a life with no eternal value. The only thing that we have, if we only connect our purpose for, to eternity, is that we just get to go. And so we only end up building things that have a temporary impact. Just to further explain this point, I want to ask a quick question. Who in here has an iPhone? Who has an iPhone? I figured that'd be the popular one. Who in here has an Android? Woo, Android gang, yeah. Android, I have an iPhone. I don't really, it's just a phone. Um, <laughs> it's just a phone, it doesn't matter. Who in here has a Blackberry? Nobody, that's what I thought. <laughs> in 2010, in 2010, Blackberry was the leading phone producer over Apple, Bing, Google, Microsoft. They were leading. I remember, I remember my mom having a Blackberry. And like, that was the stuff. She had a case that was bedazzled and everything. I don't know why, but she just loved it. And like, I was like, I don't see the point of that. And then we went to church with some of her friends and I was like, oh, they got the same thing too. It's popular. See, 
What's so appealing to us is success. And even God wants us to succeed. But it's, been, it's not even 15 years yet, and the next gen don't even know what a BlackBerry is. <laughs> like, it's for real. Most of us think we're talking about cobbler. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I'm serious. <laughs> like, or pie or something. I don't know, but like, the, if, I guarantee you, if I go to Youth Wednesday and say, does anybody know what a BlackBerry is? They're going to be like, yeah, a fruit or whatever. It's vegetable. I don't care. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think that far through. But all I'm saying, all I'm saying is this. It's been less than 15 years. And BlackBerry had a huge success. They were top of the line. They were top notch. Yeah, absolutely. But they're gone now. Like, they're, they're nowhere to be seen. And yeah, I mean, it's just phones, you know? How much? But still, that, that's the point that I want to point out, that we don't want to build things in our lives that barely last a decade. God has been so concerned I say concerned. His heart has always been for the people coming after. It's for, it's First Peter that talks about that it's God's heart that none should perish but all should reach repentance. And then it's, an, it's back in the Old Testament where, it, uh, where God is always talking about the third and fourth generation. How the one now is so responsible for, for uh, explaining and teaching. It's, it's about what comes after us. And thinking with an eternal, an eternal view in mind. It's going to be super hard for us to walk in our purpose if we do not know what our Christ identity is. Because then our purpose will then fluctuate. It will just fluctuate from whatever task we have to deal with in the day. Um, so I wanted to quickly just remind us of what our Christ identity is and what we were designed for. So the first thing is that we were designed for intimacy. A pursuit of a relationship with God. He's been after us for all of eternity. That's why Christ being elevated above every name for every age is so important. It's because it's for everybody for the rest of time. It's for everybody for the rest of time, a relationship. And we were also designed for a purpose. We watched God give it to, them, give it to Adam and Eve in the garden, and it's still the same for us, to develop his kingdom here on earth. And then lastly is power, is the pursuit of kingdom methods, the growing closer with the Holy Spirit, learning to hear his voice, um, this also means the baptism of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, other things, but kingdom methods. Uh, like, like, I love this point because it's something that it always leaves us like a, a shock in our, in, in our bodies is that we are meant to experience healing. We are meant to experience healing. That is a method of the kingdom. When someone lays their hands on someone else and then someone gets physically healed, it is a method of the kingdom of God restoring something back to its original. It's so, so awesome how that is a power that was afforded to us. A lot it does. So looking at man, mankind's created identity, we get to see that we're God-like agents who carry his love, who carry his purpose, and carry his power. We walk in relationship with him. We walk alongside him, just building the kingdom. And then we get to walk, do it with his methods. And so God had made sure we, would need, we had everything we would need to succeed. Because he, like I said before, he gave us an inheritance. And then he also gave us his influence. He was saying, go and make disciples of me. You're moving on behalf of me. He allotted it to us. And so, what's so cool is that because of this, we get the incredible opportunity to be co-rulers with Christ and his ambassadors of his kingdom here on earth. 
We get to be co-rulers. Yes, Jesus is Lord, but alongside him, we are an heir. I love that Ryan brought up Romans because that's another place where it says, if we are sons, we are also heirs. If we are sons, we are also heirs. And sons has nothing to do with gender. It has everything to do with relationship. It has everything to do with relationship and, and just placement in the family. And so being co-rulers with Christ and being an ambassador uh, here on earth means that we get to partner with God in advancing his kingdom. The Bible says that, that uh, the gates of hell shall not stand against the church. No one goes around swinging a gate. It's not an offensive weapon. People usually pick a sword or a bat or something else. They don't pick, they don't pick a gate. <laughs> they won't. Gates are meant to keep things out. And so that's God telling us we're meant to move those things out of the way so he can go in. Jumping to verse 22, it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This imagery is so cool because it highlights how one we are with Christ. Think about a headless body. Like, it has no life. It's probably dead. The only headless bodies we know of are chickens, and they last about two minutes. It has no life. It walks aimlessly. It has no identity, no, no purpose. Um, but Paul's highlighting here that Jesus is the head of the body, and we are the body. So he's connected to us. All of our heads are connected to us right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Like, man, you ever heard those things where people say, man, I would lose that if it wasn't attached to me. Our head, we wouldn't lose it. We would just never be able to find it because we're not alive. It's the same thing. We are so one with Christ. Him being the head is so, so cool. And so uh, the Apostle Paul is giving us this picture to help us understand this, that we're one with Christ. But also, not that it just becomes understanding, but that way it becomes reality. If it stays here, it, it only just becomes something I can talk to someone about. But then when I go into my quiet time, it doesn't change anything. Or if I spend time with God, it doesn't do anything. But it's so cool to see how we are so one with Christ. Because now anytime the enemy says, hey, you have no reason to spend time with them. You can't get into his presence. You're like, no, I'm one. I have complete access. There's nothing hindering me from him. There's no actual excuse. I'm completely able to enter. It also says that everything was put under Jesus' feet. <laughs> We're the body, and we have the feet. So that means if everything is under Jesus' feet, that means everything is also under ours. What's so powerful about this is that there are powers of darkness that are, that are in the world right now. And I don't want you to hear that and think, oh, it's scary because it's under our feet. Because it's under our feet. Selfish desires, things we're fighting in under our feet. Things that are out of alignment with, with God's kingdom under our feet. We have complete authority to put those things back where they belong. And let, the king, let them be subject to God and his kingdom. But what it first starts with is that it has to, be, it has to begin in our hearts and minds. It has to begin in our hearts and minds. As God is ruling in our hearts and minds, we are ruling and reigning against the dark powers and against our selfish desires. As we allow him to do that, that's what we also get to do. 
And as we tear down thoughts that are contrary to his identity and our identity in him, fear loses its place, evil loses its power, lies lose its hold, and death loses, I'm sorry, lies loses its access and death loses its hold. All these things, I feel like I have a slide for that. Um, fear losing its place. I find, I, I'm just, I just love that. Like it's literally, it's a matter of I can just, chew, kick it out of my life. Because it doesn't belong. It does not belong. It must submit. Because it is under Jesus' feet. But then that goes back to, are we submitting? Because we're under his feet as well. So Jesus restores our God-given identity back to us. So we're able to put everything underneath our feet. And so now that our identity has been established, he then restores us to our purpose. And so looking at our purpose, I would want to ask you, what is your purpose? And it's pretty simple, to, at least in my mind. I think about how we're so easy to associate ourselves with what we do. Like even myself, I introduce myself as I'm the OSC Crowley Youth Director. But it's not my identity because God has a higher view for me. And so sometimes then we think, okay, so it's not my job, I get that. Well, I'm a dad, I'm a mom, I'm a husband, I'm a, I'm a something, 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 just a little, I'm a social, whatever social title you want to put, a little something, something, it doesn't matter. Like, still, God has a higher view. God has a higher view for us. And so we can't settle, because that's, that's what ends up happening, is we end up just settling, that we just think our function is who we are, or we think that where we've been placed is who we are. And we just end up settling on our true purpose and our identity because of that. So what has to be so clear for all of us is what the highest view is. The highest view that Christians can have is that of a son or an heir. When I was, when I was breaking this down and chewing on it and just thinking about how I'm going to teach it, it was so hard for me because I also think I am a teacher. Like I feel like that's, that's part of my gift set is that I can teach a little bit. And it was so hard because every time I read over this, I would think I can do this because I'm a teacher. And I heard the Holy Spirit go, no. You can do this because you're a son. You can do this because you're an heir. We can do this because it's who we are. It's not our gifting, it's who we are. It's because of who he made us. It's in Christ, in Christ, who we've been made in Christ. If that's the highest view I hold of myself, I will approach all of life from that view. Jumping into Ephesians chapter 2, we see that it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Going back to how we view ourselves, as if we view ourselves as a failure, we will approach life from that viewpoint. We will never think we can claim an opportunity. If we approach life as a victim, we will approach every opportunity as a victim. That I'm just going through stuff that's weighing me down and I'm not going to be able to succeed. And on the flip side of that, if I view myself as a positive person, then anything that comes my way, I will approach positively. I will be able to be optimistic and faith-filled about it. If I, if I 
put on that I'm a positive person. And if I'm an engineer, I can approach life from that inner identity. But what's so, what we have to catch here is that is before anything we are, we are uh, a Christ-centered blah, blah, blah. Whatever that is, whatever that is for your life, we are Christ-centered, Christ-identified, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I like it. Okay. (laughs) What I think is a great example of this is the prodigal son. If we look at that parable, we see that he gets an amazing inheritance, that his dad had an amazing inheritance for him, and then he wanted it early, and he took it, and he went and squandered it. He just went and partied and wasted it. And so then he ends up living just broke and, and purposeless and doesn't know what to do. And so the best idea he can come with, he can come up with, is to come back to God. I'm sorry, come back to his father as a slave. So he thinks, if I come back as a servant, at least I'll be able to work from my food, and I'll eat with the pigs. That was the best thing that he could come up with. Only a life of better slavery. But what's so cool is that even though we have our, our, our options that we try to present the right way for us to fix it, God wouldn't allow it. The Father wouldn't allow him to just be a servant. He would not allow it. Looking at uh, verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is so, so powerful, because going back to the prodigal son, it's God highlighting, I'm going to take care of it for you. As soon as he saw the prodigal son, like the, he's walking back, he runs out and meets him. He goes and finds him. He puts a robe around him. He puts a ring back on his finger. He clothes his shame. When he put the robe on him, he was clothing his shame. He putting his ring back on his finger and was saying, you are back in the household you belong. This is your authority, who we are. And he also put shoes back on his feet. He reactivated his influence. And he reactivated his purpose. And the simple reason is because he was chosen. Because he's a son. Because God loves his children. And that's all there is to it. And so when we view ourselves in Christ, we cannot view ourselves as anything less than a full heir. We cannot view ourselves as anything less than a full heir because then we're missing out as well. I know there are some times where I mess up and I go, I just go, man, I shouldn't have did that. I knew it was wrong. What was I thinking? And then there are times where I almost try to excuse like not going back to God for it. But then when I'm reminded that I'm a son, I'm a full heir, that's the part where it's like, He has plenty of grace for me. What am I thinking? And he desires relationship. He doesn't want me to hide. He's clothing my shame instantly. And so, viewing ourselves as a full heir of the house of God, it causes us to change our expectation. And what that expectation is that I will walk in the freedom, the provision, the health, everything that Jesus purchased on the cross for us. And not one day when I've proven it. 
now. Like I was saying earlier, there's no like logical excuse for us to, now that we're in Christ and everything is underneath our feet, there's no logical reason to fear things. And so when fear comes in, we have to kick it out. It's the same thing right here. We have to kick out those times where it says we have to prove ourselves. There's a, there's a song by Matt Redman that's called Unconditional, and it's about God's love. And when they go into the bridge, it says, it says that God is the end of all striving. He's the end of all striving. There's no more work to be done. It's done. It's finished. It's ours to be claimed. And I just love that. To reiterate this a little more, we go into verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. It's all a gift. It's all a gift. And as heirs, we have an inheritance. And so we have the inheritance right here, but also if we're in the family, we also get the family business. When I was a kid, my dad, oh man, I love my dad. My dad is the best. Like he, <laughs> when, when, from the time I was able-bodied and minded to say, yes, sir, I was included. And what I mean by that is I helped put up fences, I helped do plumbing, I helped do electrical, all kinds of tasks that needed to happen around the house for things to get improved at an early age. And yes, there was times where like early on he was like, I would protect you until you're ready for it, but I was included. I was included. And even, even us, even having our own kids, we want our kids to help pick up around the house because it's their house too. It's their house too. It shows they care about it. It's the same thing in God's household. That he has inheritance for us, the, in, the intimacy, the relationship. He knows all this, but he also has things for us to walk in. Like first learning to lead ourselves. That's an important, crucial skill that we have to realize. Like it, it actually, anything I say up here really doesn't change until someone partners with it or until someone says yes. And the word of God is the same way as well. That we, we, don't, we, don't, we have to learn how to lead ourselves. And that's a hard skill too. And, but once we start developing in that, then we can start leading, serving and leading others. We can start showing them how to do the same, that they're not bound to the ways of this world. They're not bound to what culture is saying or, what, or what's popular on TikTok or, or social media. It doesn't matter. It's actually what God's Christ identity for us is. And so we start growing in these roles, and God wants us to start to, um, to walk in them so we can fulfill them. And this is so, so important because then it starts getting to where we start carrying weight. This, this isn't part where I'm, I'm gaining more of God's favor. This is now I'm just walking in roles. And, and as, as we watch, as our kids get older, they can start doing more things. We can start trusting them with fixing themselves a glass of water or, or putting up dishes. And I'm just listing out examples. But I know that we don't give the keys to our prized car at five years old. Here you go, you got it. No, there's development. There's development. And so maybe when they're 16, depends on how much you love that car. Um, <laughs> but the principle is true. that As we grow in our Christ identity, as we walk in our purpose, that's what starts to happen as we start to get more responsibility. We start to walk in more roles. And we start to see more of God's kingdom manifest because we're being included in the way in which that happens. Um, 
What's so cool, what's so cool when I think about all of this is that God does not need us to be completed. Like God is complete. He's perfect. He's, he's full of, he, he's, he's perfect. There's nothing to be added to God. But yet he still chose us. He still chose us to be his instrument of redemption and expansion of his kingdom. And so it's so cool that even though God didn't need us in his love, he chose us because he knew we needed to be completed in him. So he made it to where as we get completed in him, we start to see his kingdom get completed here on the earth. It's really cool. <laughs> oh, it's like, it's, oh, I've got to calm down. Um, <laughs> I really do. It's so exciting. So uh, I lost my spot for a second. We read Ephesians 2.8, right? Yes, awesome, cool. Um, in the household of God, we have roles to fulfill. We have roles to fulfill. So everyone say this with me. Right believing leads to right living. We, f- the, we have to shift our belief. Shift our belief to where this is something we're not rebelling against. And we, we're so, we never want to classify it as rebelling, you know? That's just the truth of it. Um, but it never affects God's love for us. That's the beauty of it. Is that we can be rebels in his kingdom, and he's still like, I love you a whole lot. Now, that doesn't excuse us being rebels. It just says, come back to me, learn from me, learn in your identity. So right believing leads to right living. And as I was thinking about this, JJ and I were talking, and, and there's a huge shift that we have to make in the way we think. And I'm, I'm very guilty of this as well. And that's what I think allows me to even say this because it's me showing you that, hey, I even have to respond to this truth. Is that a huge way we think is that we view God as momentary. That we treat him as seasonal. Is that, like if I want to give an example, um, like in the morning we'll read, we'll read our Bible and then we'll leave the house as if we are not a child of God going to work only accomplishing the purposes of the day we need to. That it never made it past quiet time. Or that I'll go to life group for a season as they go through this study and then when it ends, it's over. I don't need to go back or I don't need to grow in anything else. And so a huge shift we have to make is that God is not momentary. The end of this age into the age to come forever, forever the same, forever loving, forever encouraging us. And so, we need to be so intentional to start ordering our lives around this truth. That we are sons. Sons and daughters at all times. Sons and daughters at all times. And it's so, it's so wild how much that opens you up to be missional. Like, when I, start, when, when, I've, when I first heard about this, I remember going to the grocery store and thinking about how the, the, the checkout person, wondering if they knew Christ. And I had never had that thought before. Like, it was, it was just, okay, I was just at church, I'm going to go grab milk, I'm coming back, not a big deal. But it's so wild how when, when we grow in our identity in Christ, that's what starts to pour out is our true purpose of introducing people to God to help them get anchored in their Christ identity to where then they can start learning to lead themselves and then replication. The big word we use for that is discipleship. 
So I have a, I have a picture for us to look at because I just think it makes sense. As you can see, I am a wonderful artist. Um, <laughs> but, if we, but if we look at it, so we have our identity in Christ at the middle. We have our, uh, our social sphere. We have our work and function sphere. And we have other spheres. I think if I listed out all the spheres we have in our life, that'd be a pretty big thing. Um, but what ends up happening... Uh, is when we live in a momentary mindset is that we will walk in identity and then jump to work and function. And then when we're back at home with our family, we'll just jump, we'll go back to social. And then when the day repeats, then we're back in identity in Christ. And this isn't like exactly how all it works in our lives. This is just what I'm, this is, I'm just pointing this out because this is how it works when it's momentary. When it's momentary. But when it becomes our identity and it never changes and it's who I am at all times, it looks like this. That everything actually from our identity in Christ flows in to everything else. That I cannot go hang out with my family without my faith. That I cannot go to work without my faith. If we, don't ma- if we don't make the mindset shift, it's going to be so, so difficult for us to walk in our true purpose. What makes it even more difficult is you can't make the mindset shift if you're not a son. If you don't view yourself as a son. It has to start there. So, we start thinking, I will do an outreach once, then go back to normal. I will read the Bible for a while, then go back to normal. I will pray for someone, and then go back to normal. And a while back, there was a lot of talks about what the new normal is, because COVID happened, you know? Like, there was, there was social distancing, and what's safe, what isn't. They have the vaccine, all these different things. What's normal, what's acceptable, what is it? And I'm not here to define that for you, but what I am here to point out is that in Christ, there is a new normal. There is a huge new normal for us. Is that my relationship with God is every day. Is that my, I walk in my inheritance every day. That I live out my influence every day. And here's the coolest part about it. It is not a walk of striving. It is a walk of grace. If the power of God's grace is the only thing that can save us, because we were saved by grace, then only the power of God's grace can secure my inheritance. And then the power of God's grace can secure and help me live out my influence every day. And so for, um, for salvation, for inheritance, for walking in influence, all these things require only one response and then it enables us to walk in it and that response is faith it's just faith I I would almost like to put my hat in the ring for the person who is the most stubborn to try and figure it out by themselves and I've, I've been guilty of trying to activate this in my own life by myself And I'd run into brick wall upon brick wall and come back hurt. And I would just so, like, I don't understand. Why isn't it working? I'm being obedient. 
That's because my faith wasn't there yet. I was, I was listening, but I was just not putting my belief that it would work. And so what I want to encourage you today as I close is that don't let grace stop at salvation. Grace is meant for so much more, and there's so much grace in all of our lives. And so I'm, I'm pleading with you to put your faith in God's grace for your inheritance, for your identity, and for your influence, for all these things to be activated. Like we said before, it can't be, it, it, we can't fix it ourselves. We can't make it happen. It just comes to, I believe, and now I have access. We're meant to walk in our Christ identity, co-ruling with God here on earth, advancing His kingdom here. So I want to ask everyone to all stand and close your eyes. As you're, as you're sitting there with your eyes closed, I want you to tune into the Holy Spirit, first and foremost. And secondly, I want you to picture in your brain the most honest view of yourself you have. With all your flaws in mind, with all your strengths in mind, every, every way you see yourself. Because you know yourself pretty well. We see all things that we do well and wrong. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit if the way you view yourself is being influenced by your Christ-centered identity. Are you viewing yourself is what God has given to you. I think of I think of some adjectives that we can easily associate ourselves with is is a work in progress or need needs a lot of help. Or sometimes even we go a little farther and we think we're lost causes. But but Christ's sacrifice proves exactly that no one is a lost cause. And so right now, I I want us to take one, about a minute, and I want us to just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us about how we view ourselves. Spirit, we just thank you. 
We thank you so much that you're faithful to speak to us. Father, I thank you. I thank you that your view of us is so much higher than the way we view ourselves. So Holy Spirit, I just pray over everyone that Lord, as they as they as they showed you their most honest view of themselves, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will go and saturate their view. Will go and just release the real identity that you have for them. Holy Spirit, I just pray as we go into this week, Lord, that we would not forget who we are in you. I pray that every moment of our lives would be completely immersed in our identity in Christ. Father, I thank you that your answer to us is yes, and I thank you that you are so faithful to help us with this. We love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.